0: please visit jcasnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Duff Differently. I'm Rabbi Utsdayer, and today we will be studying Duff 24, Kaf Dalet, in the third chapter of Masechet Megillah. The Mishnah starts on 23 Aleph, two lines from the bottom of the page, and continues on top of 24b. The Mishnah reads, One who reads the Torah should read not less than three verses and he should not read to the translator more than one verse at a time. In the the Prophets, however, he may read three verses at a time. If the three verses constitute three separate paragraphs, he must read them to the translator one by one. The reader may skip from place to place in the Prophets, but not in the Torah. How far may he skip? Only so far that the translator will not have stopped before he finds his place. No. <clears throat> the first line explains to us that there is a minimum number of psukim that a reader has to read when reading Torah. Three. That is the rule, and we never deviate from it. You'll see sometimes, and especially on special occasions, b'nai mitzvah, for instance, on Shabbat, that more than seven people receive aliyot, in which case the weekly parasha has to be redivided it can sometimes be rather short readings in order to accommodate all, but there are never less than three pzuchim in any aliyah. The Mishnah describes also the ancient practice of of alternating the reading of the Torah and Haftarah in Hebrew with a translation into Aramaic, which was the common language, lingua franca. The practice still exists in the Yemenite community, and in some Sephardic communities, for instance, the Megillot are sometimes still translated line by line into Ladino. We learn here that stricter rules apply for the reading and translating of the Torah than the Haftarah. When reading Torah, the reader would stop after each pasuk and wait for the translator to translate before continuing with the next pasuk. Because the translator did his job without a scroll in front of him and had to listen to what the reader actually reads. So Rashi says that the one-pasuk rule for Torah readings is done to avoid mistakes in translation by the translator. When reading Haftarah, the reader may read up to three verses before pausing for the translator. And Rashi explains that we don't care much if the translator makes a mistake when repeating the verses from the Haftarah. The next Mishnah is in the middle of the page, and it reads, the one who says The Haftarah from the Prophet repeats also the blessings before the Shumah, meaning the Pores al-Shumah, and passes before the Ark and lifts up his hands. If he is a child, his father or his teacher pass before the Ark in his place. A child may read in the Torah and translate, but he may not pass before the Ark nor lift up his hands. A person in rags may also read the blessings of the Shumah, the Pores al-Shumah, and translate, but he may not read in the Torah, nor pass before the ark, nor lift up his hands. A blind man may pures al-shumar, and translate. Rabbi Yehuda says, one who has never seen the light from his birth may not pures al-shumar. The Gemara starts by asking, my Tama, what is the reason? Reason for what? What is the reason that the one reading the Haftarah also is entitled to pures al-shumar? repeating the blessings before the Shuma. over, over lifnei ha-teva, he is entitled to pass before the Ark, and Nosei kapav uh to lift up his hands. From our previous discussion, we know what these terms mean, but why are they reserved for the maftir? Rav Papa says, Mithneha ha-kavot, as a sign of honor. Now look at the Rashi, the dibuha ha mishum kavot, Rashi explains what is meant. Because he has consented to something that doesn't give honor, it was decided to grant him these in order to honor him. Rashi explains to us that receiving the maftir was not considered a special honor, because he was actually not one of the seven called up to read Torah on Shabbat and because he agreed to read the haftarah the rabbis threw in a little extra to make it up for him today obviously we do consider receiving the maftir an honor equal with any of the other aliot in the case of a minor most congregations would not call a minor to torah for uh, to read from the torah but there was a practice as we see to do so and there are actually still some communities especially Sephardi and Edot HaMizrach communities where this is practiced, provided that the miner knows what he is doing, meaning really understands the reading and not just learned the words by heart. My community, a Sephardic community, had for years a young boy who started as our regular Torah reader when he was 10 years old. It continues the Mishnah. Even a very poor person who is dressed in rags May pour shema, and may serve as translator, but he may not read from the Torah or serve as shalier meaning he may not go up uh, between the ark, nor recite the bikat kohanim. The reason for it is quoted by, by Ullah Barav and the uh, Abaya, meaning that a person in inappropriate dress would be dishonoring the congregation. And Rashi adds in his commentary also a quote from Dvarim 23 verse 15. Let him not find anything unseemly, unseemly among you. Leading the congregation as shaliach tzibur, reciting bekat kohanim or reading from the Torah are functions on behalf of the congregation before God, and hence a certain decorum also in dress is required. Now let's turn to the last sentence in the Mishnah. A blind man someh may pures ala shema and translate. Rabbi Yehuda says, one who has never seen the light from his birth may not pures ala shema. Rabbi Yehuda says a blind person, someh, who is blind since birth may not pures ala shema. But note that Rabbi Yehuda does not object to a someh to translate. But what is his reason to say that someone who is blind from birth may not recite the blessing over the Shma. The reason for Rabbi Yehuda is the wording in the blessing over the Shema. If you look it up, you see it. Yotzer or Uvorei Choshech Who created light and darkness. Rabbi Yehuda's assumption is that someone who is blind from birth cannot make this blessing because the person does not know what light and darkness constitute. But someone who became blind later in life, on the other hand, will remember, and hence may recite the blessing. So where does that leave us in regard to blind people and receiving an aliyah? Based on this Gemara, it appears that the answer would be no. This is in fact also the ruling in the Shulchan Aruch, or Chaim, 139, Seif 3. So may, a no A blind person cannot read from the Torah because it is forbidden to read even a single letter that is not written in the scroll. Well, immediately you might object that, okay, that is for someone who actually reads from the scroll. But what about simply receiving an Aliyah? That person doesn't usually read. Someone else does it for him. And the Oleh Ola only recites the blessing. Look in the Brura, a commentary on the section of Radcharim of the Shulchan Aruch, in 139, Sa'if 12, reveals the following. De'kevan, she'anu no hagin, she'ha-shaliyach kore mitoch ha shuv lo kavdinan ala ha-Oleh deke because our practice is that the shalir tzibur, meaning the laner, the reader, reads on behalf of the congregation from the scroll, we are no longer strict about the rules regarding someone being called up to the Torah. According to the principle of the one who listens, is as if he or she has said it himself or herself. De shomea ke one. When this has indeed become the accepted position nowadays, and hence it is permitted to call blind congregants to receive an aliyah to the Torah. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the chorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.